This is episode one of Real Shift Radio with special guest Nick Siegel. Are you ready for the shift? Are you ready for security, balance, and freedom to do the things that you want to do? It all starts with the shift. My name is Dominic Labriola. I'm a real estate broker and developer, and each week I sit down to speak with the most inspiring people in the real estate industry to bring you stories of shift, successes, challenges, aha moments, and overall best practices to help you live your best life. This is Real Shift Radio. Hello, shifters. This is your host, Dominic Labriola, here in sunny Los Angeles, California. I'm excited to bring our very first episode to you with our special guest, Nick Siegel. He's the president and founding partner of Partners Trust Real Estate Brokerage and Acquisitions. And well, he's my boss. A master of business development, Nick took some time to sit down with us here at Real Shift Radio to share the story of how he helped to build Partners Trust from the ground up, how he rebounded from his own ground zero moment, and how maintaining a healthy work-life balance is an essential practice to his overall well-being. Thank you so much for joining me. I want to start by introducing you. You are Nick Siegel, the president and one of the founding partners of Partners Trust Real Estate Brokerage and Acquisitions. And that's actually the firm that I work with. So thank you for uh, starting the company. (laughs) Well, it's absolutely my pleasure. And thank you, Tom, for... uh, having me be with you to share insights. Absolutely. So I wanted to talk a little bit about your journey in life and how you got here. And, um, and I really admire you and, and I appreciate everything that you do for us as the leadership of our company. And so I really wanted to pinpoint on a lot of different things that have gotten you to this path. And so you came from New York. You were you were born there and moved here in the 1980s. Um, you came out here to become an actor originally, correct? That's correct. And and tell me a little bit more about how that journey kind of shifted into real estate. So Hostess uh, Bakery products, Twinkies, things of that nature. They came out with this idea for pudding pies. And so uh, I was doing a, a commercial for Vanilla Hostess Pudding Pies, and I met uh, a sweet guy who uh, was my fellow actor on the commercial. And so we shot that commercial, and we started talking, and he said, I'm, I'm in real estate as well. And I said, oh, that's interesting. So, but then they flew us to Florida to shoot the chocolate episode of Hostess Pudding Pies. And so by that time, we developed a a bit of a friendship, and I got to find out more about what he was doing. Um, And I thought to myself, do I want to be an actor all my life? Uh, I come from a line of actors. My uncle is George Siegel, and he's done quite well for himself. Uh But I watched uh, his ups and downs, and I thought, well, okay, I'm making a living at it. But at the end of the day, where do I truly want to place my energies and where do I want to express myself? Because I think people become actors because they want to express themselves. And I thought, I have an opportunity to express myself 
in the field of real estate and, and offer different wisdoms and different ideas. But I'm a 28-year-old kid, and I'm fuzzy around the edges, and I'm just trying to figure it out. So uh, a lot has happened since that time. But that was the transition that got me into, um, into the real estate business. So what company did you start with as, as a brand-new agent? I was the 12th agent of a little company called Dalton Brown & Associates that became uh, Dalton Brown & Long, and then AKA DBL Realtors. Okay. And between 1989 and then when we sold that company in 2004, uh, I became the number two guy at that company. And uh, we became 700 agents in nine locations. And we sold that to a, a major brand uh, competitor to give them a real stronghold in the Los Angeles market. So okay. part of that whole evolution of being going from agent number 12 green behind the wet behind the ears I think is the expression <laughs> and uh, to becoming the number two guy was truly just because I would give information I would say well we don't have a, a really formalized listing presentation I've created one that works for me I'm happy to share it with everybody mm -hmm. so that we don't I, I, let me tell you about how I work with buyers and I gain their loyalty and their trust and I was just happy to share all of this information with everybody and worked my way then to become a manager of uh, our number one office mm -hmm. and just developed relationships with not only the president of the company but also the associates in that company. And I think it is that spirit of giving. And I, if we're going to attribute anything in my life to my success, it is that spirit of giving, that, that ability to look at a situation and say, how do I bring the best of who I am and make it better? Awesome. So you, how did that, that shift from agent to then manager kind of take place? Pretty organically. It's not something that I really asked for. I just, it was one of those silent earnings that by demonstration, okay. we were going to open another office. And um, my partner at the time said, uh, listen, I think you should run this office so that I can then, as president of the company, move and, and yeah. extend the outreach and growth of the company and put a new office in place and then he would run that office so then I backfilled and ran um, our flagship office. Okay. And so in 2009 you and four other gentlemen came together to form what is now our firm, Partners Trust. Mm. And tell me a little bit about what drove you to want to create a company like this and, and how that process came together. I considered that if I was going to embark on the creation of another company, that I wanted to do it very specifically, and that those that were going to align with me, I wanted them to share that that set of same core values. Yeah. And so paramount to anything that we did was, who is who are we going to attract to be with us, and will they be inspired to play at this mm -hmm. level? And so we figured with the talents and the timelines that we've been in the business and our book of business that we could probably keep the lights on. Uh, <laughs> we don't know if we'd be profitable, but we could cover the expenses. Sure. And based on the group of us coming together, it created a, uh, an immediate traction and buzz within the community. And because of the relationships that I'd had from a previous company, those that were still with me now in this new company well, the interim, we'll call it the interim company. They then said, wow, you're doing this, Nick. I want to do that with you. And, oh. and the other founding partners that had relationships with 
colleagues as well, they said, wow, if you're going, I want to go too. And, sure. I, and, and they caught the spirit of what we were doing. And, and it was an invitation-only company. And out of the mm-hmm. gate, the first year, we turned down more people than we hired because mm-hmm. we were really looking for those that shared our, our sense of um, reputation, that mm-hmm. by integrity and, and, and those things that demonstrated a reputation of um, fair play and cool under fire and, and the people that we wanted to hang around with. So that was more the criteria than how much business that they did. Okay. And the company name speaks to that. It does indeed. That's a very layered name. Most people, uh, when, they, when we first rolled it out, they said, well, it sounds like a bank. <laughs> and we kind of liked that idea, too. We thought, sure. well, that means it's stable. But partnership, because our part of the design of the company, the business model, was that we carved out shares of stock for people to be gifted based on their tenure with the company and their production to give them as a reward to say thank you for investing your time, your energy, your the best of who you are to be with us. We wanted to remunerate them for that. So. That was part of the component, so that we were partners together, mm-hmm. both in spirit and in tangible demonstration. And then trust, and we created a trust agreement. I remember writing that trust agreement, and it took me about 15 minutes to write it. And it just literally just flew through my fingertips, and I almost got out of the way. You know, <laughs> Those just, moments yeah, that... <laughs> I became this physical vehicle to, to, to capture that, that spirit. And it speaks to the accountability and the integrity and the caring that we will demonstrate. And it's interesting because there's a, almost even a liability component. We live in a very litigious world. We and so do. now we're willing and to... And state. Yes. <laughs> so that we're willing to state that we will play at this high level. So that could probably be used against us if someone wanted to really take a shot at us. And that's okay um, because we do, by demonstration, live the principles, the tenets of that trust agreement. And my favorite line in that the statement is that as the needs of our clients are met so will our needs be taken care of and i think that's a great way to go about the business wow that line makes my my skin tingle so mine too i um i feel like it's also likely that people who that message resonates with are attracted to working with with the the associate at the company too so I think while it might be a little bit of a liability in one aspect, you, you're also probably going to kind of flush out some really high-quality people to work with. Yeah, that's a great point. I think that I, I encourage every one of our associates to define their ideal scene as to who they choose to work with. I think as we put it out there, so it comes back. And if we're discerning as to who we choose to work with and, and we understand our value proposition, that resonates as well. Yeah. And that then reverberates back. But if someone's willing to work with anybody and they're not discerning as to who they'll work with, well, guess what? You get whatever comes with that. Absolutely. What you put out into the universe is Amen. going to come back. That's right. And if you don't know what you're putting out, <laughs> you're, just, you're a blank slate to be splattered against your Jackson Pollock painting all of a sudden. True. So you mentioned your, your uncle, George Siegel. Yeah. And... Um, and Something that I'd found out about you, I think you shared it with me at one point that um, that you lost your parents pretty early on. I did. By and the time I was fourteen, they were both gone. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, did did your uncle play a big role in in your life in their absence, um, or or who would you say would would have been kind of your main mentor in life? As well, a- I would. That that's that's been an evolution. I would say. 
at that time, both of my uncles, uh, my father was the oldest of three boys, okay, and my uh, uncle John, the middle brother, and then my uncle George, the baby, they both really stepped in, and uh, both financially um, and emotionally, and they became uh, just, I mean, as, as, I, as I pause to think about the influence they've had in my life, it's it's vaster than any words can possibly comprehend. So, yeah, front and center, there they are. They go on the mantle of uh, of people that have been there for me. No awesome, question. that's wonderful. Do you have a kind of a mantra that you live your life by? I have a few of them. It depends on the facet of my life. If it's in business. Uh, it's little things done consistently in excellence create a major impact. And from that perspective, if I take care of the details and, and I'm truthful in, in how I conduct myself and honoring my word, things of that nature, all those little details, they do create a, a tremendous impact. So that, that one from a business perspective has served me very well. Yeah. Um, and then on a more uh, spiritual perspective, um, my, my focus of deceit forfeits divine aid and uh, that to me speaks very clearly to I want as much assistance as I can get and I want the tangible and the intangible and telling the truth and being accountable to my actions and honoring who I am and the truth that's around me and through me um, that has served me very very well as well so those are two major uh -huh. um, mantras that I have in my life and then I have a fun one that I like that's uh, I make money while I work, play and sleep and, awesome. and that to me is just uh, a statement of if I do my job well and create good people around me and good technologies and all of those things I can be doing what I'm doing and, and abundance can be flowing to me at all times yes, I love it do you, so you mentioned that you have one for business, one for personal. Mm. Part of my goal in this podcast is to bring kind of a, a whole sense of well-being and, and, and bring people to the program like yourselves who seem to demonstrate a very well-balanced life. Mm. And, and so tell me about how you, what do you do on a daily basis or, or what do you what do you do to make yourself kind of achieve those kinds of balance between work and, and personal life and family and friendship? Hmm. I think it starts with taking care of myself. I mean, I need to be balanced. What's my rest quotient? What's my water intake? What are the foods that I'm eating? Do I take time to reflect, to close my eyes, to allow... Uh, all facets of me to be accounted for and to listen very carefully. Mm -hmm. um, that's the internal process for me. I, I do meditate. I do um, have my own spiritual connections in my life that yeah. really give great perspective to everything that's going on. And uh, the first law of spirituality, as I know it, is acceptance. And not from a defeated place, but just, okay, that's I accept what is the reality. Now what do I do about it? And how do I understand 
what was my participation in that reality? Did I promote, create, or allow something to take place from that perspective? And then once I come into you know, an understanding of that, then I can cooperate with what is and now work towards creating the best possible situation, be it if it's, if it's a mistake that I've made, what are the learnings from it? How mm -hmm. do I accept it and really grow from it so I don't repeat it? And then the enthusiasm of it all, that let's, let's have fun, let's have mm -hmm. the joy that with it, that ethos, you know, of, um, from God. So those four stepping stones for me really assist me in staying focused, staying present. I believe discernment is a tremendous um, focus that we all have, yet very few really empower. Where do I spend my time? Yeah. How do I spend my time? Do, is it serving me? Um, when I'm in business, my thought is, what are the action steps that I can take that bring me closer to making a deal today? Yeah. Well, that's, that's a very powerful question, and if I really take the time to answer it, then I can have tremendous results. But if, I'm, if I just open my computer and I'm at the mercy of my email stream, th there's, no, there's no discernment or focus. I'm, or directive. I'm being, right, I'm just being pulled in a host of different directions. So uh, I hope I've answered your question. You have. Okay, good. So on the same token with discernment, that can be applied to people and the kind of people that you let into your life. Mm. And what kind of people do you want on your team? And, and what kind of people do you surround yourself with? I, I, I have the analogy of a foxhole. And who are the people that I would want to be in a foxhole with? And if the bullets are flying, who's got my six, so yeah. to speak? And there are really very few people that I let in to mm -hmm. that degree because there's only so much time. And I think a dear friend is a, is a, is a pure investment. And I love, I can drop myself into almost any environment and be engaging and be, you know, fine and pleasant <laughs> and all those things. But my father had a great, he was a writer and he was doing very well and he's on the lot, back lot at uh, Warner Brothers and my sister was with him at the time and uh, this big star came up to him and said, wow, Fred, it's great to see you. Out, you're out in California now. I, I can't wait for us to get together because they knew each other in New York. And my father says, okay, well, see you later. And um, <laughs> my sister was blown away. Are you going to spend time with him? I mean, my God, look at who just came up to you. <laughs> my father's simple response was, ah, I have enough friends. <laughs> and so that has really stayed with me, you know. Um, so who I spend time with are the people that bring me joy, the people uh -huh. that uplift me, that... that in business, I don't want to be the smartest guy in the room. I want to be the stupidest guy in the room. <laughs> and when it comes to my friends, I want to be around people where we can lift each other and, and we speak the same language as to our values, our, our morals, and our sense of humor. You know, That's such a critical component to enjoying this life, is having a good time and laughing about it. Yeah. Well, that certainly elevates you. In, if you're the stupidest guy in the room, <laughs> then we're going to have to pull in some really smart people I, around you. <laughs> I welcome that. I welcome that idea. Yeah. Have you faced any failures or challenges in, in this path in real estate? And, and I mean, obviously you've, you've had a, a long career in real estate. You had the precursor to that that brought you to real estate. Are there any moments that, that were especially tough for you and, and what did you do to get through those moments? 
I think the first wake-up call that I got and, and was losing my mother and then 14 months later losing my father. Yeah. And I just remember walking down the stairs in our house, and it was a new house because we'd moved, because when my mother died, then I went to live with my father, and then we came out to California. And I remember hearing something um, that, uh, um, just a voice inside of me, it says, good things happen to good people, mm -hmm. and you're a good person, Nick. And I don't know where that came from, but that affirmation has stayed with me uh, to this day. Mm -hmm. So I think that the, the pain, the anguish of that gave me my first foundation, because I took it ultimately, eventually, positively, to say, um, whatever you're throwing at me now, it can't be worse than what I've already been through. Yeah. So that's kind of ground zero. When someone gets to ground zero, and I'll speak for myself, you know, I, you're upset with it. me? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so that was an interesting dynamic. And I think everyone has their own ground zero. You know, yeah. they all have. So, and then how do you use that and chalk it up to wealth and chalk it up to, and in and, and business, I've had, oh, my crushing defeats. Um, stupid, stupid mistakes <laughs> um, where I would beat myself up. And, and then I realized I can learn from this because there are two ways we learn. We either learn from the experience or the information. Mm -hmm. And I'd rather have the information more than the experience yeah. comes from the negative <laughs> point of view. So, oh, you fell on your butt there. I don't want to do that. So tell me why that happened and how I can avoid that. Sure. So, but whatever the most painful searing uh, events that have taken place where I've just castigated myself. I would say that the ability to learn from it and say, how do I become better as a result of it? And, and as long as I always ask myself that question, I'm really on the right track and, and, and that much closer to both the healing of it and then the expansion. Yeah. With, um, with your current business, you you have a lot going on. You've got a, a large company that you are the president and leader of. Mm. In addition to that, you have a real estate team and you're an active practicing practitioner. Mm -hmm. So what kind of layout do you have your team set up in? And, and kind of tell me a little bit about the structure of, of the people that you put into place to manage each of those facets of your business. I would consider that I have two teams. Okay. I have a team that's with me as uh, running this company. Mm -hmm. And the vast majority of those relationships are founded on people that I've known for years and years and years. So when I consider my CFO and I consider my managers, uh, in most cases, I've known these people for 20 plus years. They yeah. know my rhythm, I know their rhythm. And we're up, we're down, we're in it together. Mm -hmm. So I have great trust and reliance on them, and I've learned to delegate a tremendous amount of things to them and giving a clear communication that they know that I like feedback and I need to know what's going on, and if there are decisions to be made, let's make them as a collective. And I've got founding partners that are really smart, and they understand different facets of this business. And so we become this great check and balance for each other as we talk about the managed growth. I think. Part of growth is also how do you manage it? You know, yeah. and do you expand too fast? We we had a moment there where we expanded a little too quickly, and we started you know stretching at the seams where some of those seams started to pop. Mm 
Sure. And so how do you then, sometimes you got to get small to get big, and that was one of our associates said that. And so I love that. So, and then for my personal team, also based on trusted relationships and really clear communication. If you're working with me, you're an extension of me, mm -hmm. and I'm an extension of you. So please don't speak for me, and if you're not sure about how to proceed with anything, please check in with me so that sure. we're aligned on that from that perspective. Because again, little things done consistently and excellence create that major impact, and everyone understands that communication is key, and clear communication. The reason lawsuits happen is because people aren't clear with their communications. Sure. The reason people don't trust each other is because they're not clear with their communications. And they can have the best of intentions, but clear communication, I think, uh, cures a lot of ills along the way. So that's that's a, that would be a, a tremendous foundation to what I'm doing. Sometimes taking a breath. Might... Oh my gosh, absolutely. Full, deep breaths and closing one's eyes and just saying, you know, and patience is, you know, someone asked me recently, just getting into the business and they'd heard about I don't know, my acumen in the business and where I was, my station and, and mm -hmm. the community. And uh, they said, what's the one thing, Nick, uh, that you would tell me to do? What's the secret? And I paused for a minute. I thought, You're, it's not a sexy answer, but it's the best answer I can come up with in this moment. And it's patience. Yeah. Build your foundation. Be patient. See what's going on. Don't force things. Let them, allow them to come forward from that place of solid foundation and you will create a very long-lasting career for yourself. And that's tough to tell a 24-year-old kid. You know, sure. I'm 53 years old now. You told me that, I'd go, right. And I'm sure, you know, <laughs> we'll get into that discussion, but that was my answer in that moment. Yeah. What's the best piece of business advice that you have gotten in in the real estate and I mean your your job is really interesting because it's not only are you a realtor but you're mm -hmm. running a company that mm -hmm. that affects a lot of people's lives mm -hmm. so so very interesting <laughs> the the from a business perspective there are three sides to a story you know there's there's if there's conflict there's the complainant side and there's the respondent side and then there's the truth Mm -hmm. And discerning the truth oftentimes comes from evaluating both perspectives and then listening to my own belly. Uh, you know, I'm chairman of the um, chairman of the Professional Standards and Ethics Committee for the Beverly Hills Greater Los Angeles Board of Realtors. So, over a pushing 16-year term, I've, I've I've heard a lot of stories. Yeah. I've heard a lot of people try to sell me things. Uh, so in business, get the information, check it out. I think that's with life. Check it out. Don't don't rely on someone's opinion. Get the facts, and then from there you can make uh, an educated decision. Mm -hmm. They're not always the right. It's not always the right decision, but at least you went with. I went with all the information I had available to me in that moment. So in those instances where it isn't the right decision. Mm. How do you regroup and and what do you do to move forward from those points? Self-forgiveness first. Nick, <laughs> <laughs> you idiot. I try and stay away from that self-talk, you know. There's a great book, You Can't Afford the Luxury of a Negative Thought. Uh -huh. And there's that is a very powerful statement. And if we think about it, we beat ourselves up so, so often in our mind. And 
My understanding is it takes 25 positive reinforcing comments to over, override one negative. Wow. So imagine how many thoughts we have during the day. I like to think that my, I've trained my mind to have positive thoughts. Yeah. And so if I've made a mistake, you know, not get into that, what was I thinking, but okay, what am I learning? You know, what mm -hmm. am I learning now going forward? Because I really don't want to have this feeling again. No. And that's part of life. I, I think <laughs> we will continue to have those feelings along the way. It's how do we manage them? How do we work through them? And I'm, I'm serious that self-forgiveness is a tremendous component and then forget it yeah. after I've learned the lesson and then focus on what's in front of me because there are opportunities in every single breath. Sure. If I'm clouded in my own, you know, beating myself up that I'm not seeing what's in front of me. No. I find that oftentimes I'll I'll be so much harder on myself, and I would mm. I would never treat somebody else like I would treat myself. Right, we've heard it all the time, and yet we still do it. So when are we going to get the wit and the wisdom to cut that out? Yeah, definitely. So in your current business, mm -hmm. what's exciting you and what's driving you right now? Uh, what's exciting me right now is looking at the foundation that we've created and seeing where we can take it. Uh, how are we influencing people's lives? How are we sharing the story of our success? How are we um, articulating? And what are the vehicles we're putting forward where we can say good guys can win? Mm -hmm. um, where are we that shining light that others can look to and say, if they can do it, I can do it too. Yeah. And daily demonstrations and yet an arsenal of people around us that are helping, you know, send that message out. So that's very exciting. I and mean, we've got a global network that's about to explode. Uh, I think in our community, uh, if you'd asked me that question seven months ago, we were going through a really tough time and there was a lot of soul searching going mm -hmm. on inside of me. And there were many days when I would walk from my office just to the kitchen and people would look at me and go, ooh, Nick looks very serious. And I didn't consider myself being serious, but I was I was so introspective as to uh -huh. what do I do to make it better. So I'm thrilled with the platform we've created. Uh, I'm thrilled with the people that are coming to us. Uh, we have organic growth to new markets where people are knocking on our door to say, "Hey, we want to play with you because we're inspired." Want to play on that level and yeah, we want to yeah. be a part of it. Yeah. So. That to me, it gives me goosebumps. I, yeah. if, if 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 that's how I how we take it out, great. And there's always a part of me that's look. So where am I in five years? You know. So I think there's a great book to be had uh, on negotiation from the inside out. And you take a book like Think and Grow Rich, mm -hmm. and you see, you create your own company. You have vehicles where you can share ideals and teach. And so we're going to roll out a ten week series. But that it's going to there are going to be components of the Napoleon Hill book, which is tried and tested. And how do you, when you look in the mirror, what do you see? Do you like what you see? And I don't think you can truly, I could tell you all the secrets of negotiation, but if you don't like what you see when you look in the mirror, you will sabotage the result. Yeah. And so let's, let's get our alignment with our value proposition as to who we are and why we do what we do solid. And then let's, phase two, let's be discerning with that as to where would I like to direct my energies and why and what am I willing to give back for that. And Think and Grow Rich speaks to that. And then let's negotiate that burning desire. 
Yeah. So take ten weeks and break it into three trimesters, as it were, and um, I think we're going to have something really compelling. So I'd love to memorialize that. I'd love to package that. I'd love to... I can only imagine if, if we created that type of vehicle and said the Petri dish was Partners Trust yeah. and look what we're doing and I think that would put us on a, a national platform and could put us on a global platform and give me the opportunity to do more things like this talking to you. Awesome. One of my mantras is I love myself and I think that, um, I mean, like you said, it, coming from that place it puts me in such a better position to to be able to uh, it's like the world of opportunities opens up to me if 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 i just have that self confidence and that if i look at myself in the mirror and i feel good about it it's well you wouldn't be doing this type of forum if you didn't feel good about yourself and wanted to create more value so True. what we're doing you create it and i when you ask me to play along with you i go absolutely because i want to be a part of these types of creations. So I, 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 I hope you really do commend yourself and thank you. Keep going because this is the good work that we're doing. That that's available for us to do. Yeah. And whoever's listening to this, I hope you're getting the value that that was intended based on the spirit with which it's provided. Definitely. What tools and and resources have you come across recently that that are changing the way that you're doing business? We must, in the sales business, education as to what your value proposition is and then the messaging and the vehicles as to how you promote, articulate that messaging are critical. So whatever the technologies are that can make you scalable as an individual, because we can't be everywhere at all times. So there are great... Um, contact relationship management systems that are coming mm -hmm. out. They're great vehicles of video that are coming out, wherein if we're clear about what our message is and what our value proposition is, then the packaging of that, it can be a flip cam. It can be, a, it can be your iPhone. It, it's, it's less about the technology, I think, and it's more about the strategy to, to play and to, to drive that message to yeah. an audience. We don't take, we don't nurture the relationships we already have in many respects. We're looking for new. Where is it out there? And as opposed to really hunkering down with those that we already know and, and really asking each other for support and educating people as to what is our value proposition. So whether it's websites, whether it's um, CRM systems, whether mm -hmm. it's apps that now will refresh this new app. We'll sure. Plug for them. We'll see how long it lasts. <laughs> but where, and you know, you're looking to meet with someone. It's tied to your Google Calendar, and you can see what all the things that they're talking about on their social media platforms, so that you can be more engaging with them in conversation. Well, that's a that's a great tool to build rapport. Um, so there are all sorts of things that are coming out, and they'll that's going to be ever changing. At the yeah. end of the day, we are the human condition, and we are. The, the way we look at each other in the eye and the way we, we generally and specifically present ourselves. You know? mm -hmm. That's the ultimate tool of technology, I think. How do we express our heart? Yes. So what are you creating in your life right now? What, what is it that, that you see yourself building? You kind of spoke in a five-year mm -hmm. plan. I... 
I want to enjoy each day. I want to wake up and and I do wake up and say, what are we going to do today? You know, what what difference can can I make today? How can I enrich myself? How do I surround myself on that? So we have all I have all sorts of vehicles that I've created and and I've got a pretty good handle on all of them. Um, I would like to get out more and and assist people from a place of having done it mm-hmm. um, to create more joy for people in their own lives, for them to claim the joy that is available to them, to recognize their self-worth, to, to bring their best forward and, and so they can enjoy this life. If we approach people from that perspective, we change the world, we change the dynamic, the energetic of this world. People don't need to be angry with each other. They can, they can express their loving from their place of over, overflow. And that's a, that's a lofty goal. And you know what? We're doing it right now, ideally. And that's where I want to keep expressing myself. That's where I want to keep sharing my heart. Because um, as I share it, it just fills me up more. Yeah. Something you have shared with me a number of times is approach every person from a position of love. Mm. And... In the past year, I I took some leadership training classes, which really helped me to understand that. Um, Can you speak more to that? And and I mean, that can sound a little woo woo to some people. Um, How how does that play for you? It's it's the best way I know to live my life. Um, Woo woo, Yeah, yeah. But again, we've all experienced loving. You know, if yeah. you see a puppy and you just love that puppy, well, can you love yourself the way you love that puppy? You see a baby, that baby locks eyes on you, forget it. <laughs> you know, I mean, what wouldn't you do for that kid? Sure. Well, what wouldn't you do for yourself? And I think that's the disconnect. And I think the reason we'll, we can label a woo-woo, because like, I'm going to deflect that because I, I don't believe in that stuff. Well, that's your mind talking. Your heart wants to believe that stuff. Your, your heart aches every time you discount that. Yeah, and take a moment just to listen to your heart. What does your heart want you to do in that moment? Not your mind. Close your eyes if you're if you're on the road. Pull over if you can, and just ask that question: Where's the love inside for me? And because that's when it, then you can give it away. I can't give it away unless I've got it. Yeah. Because um, I'll choose what I've got. Mm-hmm. And if I've got anger and I got frustration, well, you're getting it. Because that's all I got. <laughs> yeah. So, and then how do you feel at the end of the day? You know, and then what bottle do you crawl into at that point? So, I, listen, we all have our pains, we all have our anguishes, and uh, I think great compassion for everybody starts with ourselves. And we're doing the best we can. And if we can take a moment to realize, you know, I, I blew it, I did whatever I did, I, I can keep beating myself up or I can say stop. Yeah. And I can go to neutral. And then from neutral, you can change gear from reverse to, to forward. And yeah. So for me, living my life from a place of loving everybody I come in contact with, I do that because I want that love back for me. Because mm-hmm. I know that's the healthiest, most organic place for me to live from. Yeah. So how do you, how do you handle a situation where you're faced with somebody that it's really hard to love? Hmm do my best to accept that they've got their own pain and that I don't have to engage in it. Uh-huh. So if someone's yelling at me, I have a choice in that moment. I say, okay, 
what your method of communication is not bringing the ball any further unless you're having a great time doing it. But if that's the only reason you're doing it, you're going to do it yourself, and I'm going to respectfully hand up the phone now. Uh-huh. See, do we have the power to to claim that? And I think we do. I yeah. do. Uh, and if someone is upset, I'll take the, the time to find out what's the, the cause of the upset. Mm-hmm. And it, from a negotiation perspective, if someone feels wrong, where was the wrong and how do we make it right? See, if I can get to the root of the issue, then the emotion changes. But yeah. if I don't get to the root of the issue, the emotion lingers on and then I'm dealing with someone's emotionality. Feelings change all the time. If two million dollars dropped on this desk right now, it would change our it would change change our, our world. <laughs> change our emotional perspective <laughs> in that moment, right? So why let a, an outside event affect what changes our course as opposed to doing from the inside? Yeah. And then everything we see uh, has greater balance and perspective. Uh-huh. So it sounds like you kind of treat everything pretty neutral. It, it's, an, it's an event. Yeah. It's an, it's, 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 I try to observe it as much as I can. Uh, it's, it's part of a movie. Oh, that's going on. Wow. They're really upset. Okay, do I want to engage with that or do I not? And listen, I, see my, I feel myself get upset. And I know that bubbling up that comes inside of me. I, I grew up in New York. I have it. And I had an instance just the other day where uh, if I could take back communi- the way I communicated, I would. Because I, I, didn't, I didn't do it from the most elevated place. But what I love is I had someone who cares about me enough to say, Hey, Nick, I think you could have done that differently. Uh-huh. And then I had the wisdom to go... Yeah, you're right. <laughs> okay, so what do I do to make it better? Uh-huh. And then that became the focus. Yeah. And I'm listen, if I've blown it, I'm the first person to raise my hand and say, I blew it. Sure. Because from accountability, we can then course correct. If we try and deflect and blame others, uh-huh. that's a vicious cycle, and you never see the end of that road. And it seems like people can peg that, and, and then that degrades their level of trust in you in the future. And sure. Sure, absolutely. I think that anybody that I've ever been at odds with, if I see them demonstrate their ability to move forward and really be accountable, I have that much more respect for them. Yeah. You know, because I know them better now. Yeah. What facets of your business have you focused on and, and what have been the most successful relationships that you've forged in real estate? In, in the sales perspective? Uh, let's see if I can answer that question, distill it. Um, facets of the business and relationships that, that I've forged that are. So, what, what types of people have provided you with the most amount of business and, and the most enjoyable business? That may mm. be two separate questions. The most amount of business uh, are those that I build relationships with and I take care of them every step of the way. And they respect that, and they come back for more. Uh-huh. Um, and in often, many cases, those are the most enjoyable relationships. I would sure. I if if I've had a great relationship with someone, and they become part of my ambassador pool, I look at every client that I work with as the opportunity that if I've done a great job for them, they have friends, like-minded friends. Yeah. And if they refer their friend, that's the highest form of a compliment they can give me. And then that much more reason to take care of that person the way I took care of the, 
their friend who referred me. So yeah. the relationships that I forge are the ones that I trust, the ones that I that there's mutual respect, where we can challenge each other, where we know that we're challenging each other not from a place of ego, but from a place of what's the best way to get to uh, the smartest decision. So um, I have great relationships, and they're all forged based on the trust by demonstration. And I'm very attentive to that. And yeah. I call people out if I see them wavering from that because are you, which way do you want to play it? Do you want to be aligned or do you want to play some sort of gray zone? Well, if you want to do that, do it somewhere else. I, I really don't want to be a part of that. Sure. And people change all the time. And money is an interesting catalyst to make people act in certain ways. I find that I have a lot of stories about money and and it seems like it drives people in different ways. Mm-hmm. How how do you make money neutral for you and and not have this power grasp over you and how you how you move forward in your day? I go back to uh, deceit or dishonesty forfeits divine aid. I'm I, I'm not. No amount of money is going to be is going to throw me off of that connection to my spirit, and so money becomes part of this 10% level and I, I do my best to try and keep it as such. I had a, a really lovely compliment by somebody who goes, Nick, I've known you when you had nothing and I've known you when you've been successful and you're the same guy. It's a great and compliment. I, and I thought, wow, that's cool. And uh, that's true. That's true. Uh, and, uh, and generosity is, I, I love being generous when, when those opportunities come up and I love giving back and I love being of service and those are great ways to stay neutral mm-hmm. and uh, and not be driven by a medium that's really just a neutral energy. Money is just neutral. We look at it whether it's positive or negative. You know, some people look at money as a negative, negative thing, and they push it away from themselves. And people will do anything to get it. Well, they get it, but all that comes with it. I'd I'd rather not sacrifice my joy for the money that the money can still come. Yeah, I trust that. Can you tell me how gratitude plays in your life? It's at one of the, it's one of the key core foundational elements of course correction for me. If ever I'm in a negative spot, all I have to do is ask myself what I'm grateful for. You know, let's take a moment and just realize all that I have, all that I've created, all that I am, and really look at that what's the shirt that I'm wearing is it soft am I, am I hungry if I wanted water could I get it am I going to have a place to lay my head tonight do I have a car that will get me there do I, have, do I have money in my wallet I mean these things I go what in God's name am I looking out there that I would be uh, that would cause me to get outside of my joy and so gratitude oh gosh I, I I'm a big fan of gratitude journals. If you're ever huh. in, in doubt, if you're ever depressed, just take a piece of paper out and uh, whatever the writing instrument is and just write down five things you're grateful for and then take a moment to look at those things. In about a minute and a half, your perspective will change. Your entire perspective. Yeah. Yeah. That's I love gratitude. You spoke to, with the Think and Grow Rich program, your burning desire. Mm. What's your burning desire? Oh, gosh. Uh, to have more joy um, and more abundantly on this level, um, my burning desire ultimately is to go to the heart of God. And so 
that kind of transcends this level. Uh-huh. Um, and that's, you know, everyone has their own God if they do, and however they get there, there are a host of ways to get there. I want a God that's big enough to incorporate them all. Um, on this level, to make this company shine yeah. so that anybody that hears the words partners trust, that they go, wow, I've heard nothing but great things <laughs> about that company. And at every experience, every touch point, you guys are doing something right. And then then I know I've, I've done my job. And uh, that's the quest. And we don't need to be on every street corner. We don't need to have a sign in front of every front yard. There's there's plenty for everybody. But those that we touch, that we touch them in the spirit with which we presented ourselves at the, at the beginning that as the needs of our clients are met. So social art needs to be taken care of. Speaking to abundance with that, mm-hmm. that is... I mean that's a that's a really big thing for me lately. Just realizing that there is so much opportunity, and um, and like you said, there's business for everybody. Um, if you were starting over, mm-hmm. don't what, make me go back to high school. No, Please don't make me do that. Let's no. say you're starting over in real estate. Okay. So, what would you? focus on and and I mean sometimes I feel paralyzed by the wealth of opportunities that are in front of me um, what 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 kind of business would you put your put your head to well the first thing that I would do is really get clear as to what am I bringing to the party yeah. what is my value proposition what years of experience do I have and how do I apply them to this trade of real estate so once I understood my value proposition I will speak the truth I will with every client I have the pleasure to work with I will treat them in a certain way and I will demonstrate those things so to find that value proposition because that's really what we're selling Mm-hmm. You so, show someone a house that's priced effectively in that marketplace, and that client wants to buy that house because it meets their needs. They're going to write an offer on that house. Your role, based on those ingredients, is secondary. Mm-hmm. The house sold itself. How did you listen to that client before you showed them that house? How did What research did you do to ferret out that house for their needs? How did you put all those pieces together based from that value proposition of who you are to then create that event where then you became secondary? You still created the event, but it started with a thorough understanding of who you are and how you're going to conduct yourself so that everybody you touch, they get a sense about you. Recently I heard someone say, listen, if I price my house well, anybody can sell it. Ah, okay, that's... Well, let's call that true. What's the experience you now want to have with the person that sells it? So take it from a place of not, well, that's not true, and da 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 da, da and I'm going to do this, and they're not going to do that, and start going to the comparison game. You're fighting the wrong battle. Sure. So as opposed to that, I would say, let's now educate as to what your, now your value proposition is. All right, that's true. Anybody can sell it if it's priced well. Now what type of experience would you like, and can we talk about that? Sure. Now suddenly the value proposition comes to the front because I don't think many people are playing at that level. No. I think everyone's going to fall into the trap of you're challenging me 
with your words that anybody could sell my house. You're, you're belittling me. Uh-huh. Maybe, but I'm not looking at it that way. I'm just saying, yeah. okay, that's your perspective. Now let me educate you as to why I am best served to assist you from your perspective. Mm-hmm. But it starts with that. But I came at this thing like the Tasmanian devil. You know, I was like, just spinning like a top <laughs> and dust flying everywhere, falling on my butt, going, oh my God, what was I doing? Because I thought I had to be something that I had no idea who I was. Yeah. So start from that foundation of I bring X to the party. Mm-hmm. Now be clear about where do I want to showcase X? Where's my audience? And how do I educate that audience? How do I then bring technology into it? How do I bring a website? How do I bring podcasts? How do I bring video? How do I bring all of those components that, that demonstrate me and my commitment to my value proposition for yeah. my clients? Then let the magic start to happen. Now, I gotta learn contracts, I gotta learn all the elements that make me an expert in the game. Mm-hmm. That just takes time. Sure. But if I infuse my value proposition on every single component, Everything that I touch is it, it is kissed with that, yeah. And everything's then clean and clear. And now I'm poised to be hugely successful. I, mean, yeah. I think I could drop into any market in this country, and even any in the world. Yeah. You know, I'd have to learn the language. Language. <laughs> but I could go into any environment, and in six months, I'd be relevant. Uh huh. Wow. I think that people like to work with people mm-hmm. and and so customer service also really tends to kind of create that fierce loyalty and and I think that your value proposition really sounds to have that at at the core. Yeah, people we need each other. You know, uh, but we don't always know what we need and cuz we don't take the time to figure out what we need. So many times people make their decisions based on um, what they'd like to be yeah. or what inspires them and that other person or I aspire to be like you so I'll work with you or I'll be with you because maybe it will rub off. But that's not grounded in themselves. But yet, okay, if that's the, the, the dimension of what we're dealing with right now and that's mm-hmm. the reality, be smart. So. Be, be clear about who you are and let that be a beacon that pulsates out. Trust me, people will come to that because yeah. they're, they're inspired, they're appreciative, they're all of those things that, that make your value better than someone else's. Yeah. What is your vision for this world? Oh, God bless America. Um, The vision for this world is that everybody individually learns the lessons they need to lead that more joyful life. Because there's no way that... The world is the sum of its parts. Mm -hmm. So if there are hundreds and thousands of people that are willing to play at the level that we're talking about right now. And even if everything we're doing was just talk, mm-hmm. what if we didn't believe any of this stuff? What if we, we hadn't you know, incorporated it into the fabric of our lives? We're talking about it, which changes the energetic. Mm-hmm. And 
if three people listen to this and they're inspired and they claim it and then they play it out, there's that old Fabergé you know, shampoo commercial with Farrah Fawcett, who I was in love with as a kid. Wow, Farrah. And I had the opportunity to work, represent her. That was such wow. a thrill. So, um, you know, and then they'll tell two friends, and they'll tell two, tell two friends. It's that multiple. Mm-hmm. That's how we affect the world. It's so easy to, to hear the negative perspective. I'm rooting, you know, we've gone into reality TV. Sure. Okay. It's still sensationalized and all that. Maybe we're going to start to transition from scripted programming to this reality TV, which is still totally scripted, <laughs> into more it's of this. It's much cheaper to produce. Right. <laughs> more of this organic what if TV. Yeah. You know, what if the Thrive and all of these different messagings. Um, oh, he's escaping me right now. Uh, who's the director? that's doing beautiful work. He had a bicycle accident, and uh, uh, he, he did, did a lot of the um, Bruce uh, Bruce Almighty, and he did a oh, lot of the Jim Sasha was telling me about Just, him. Uh, uh, he's a director with long hair, yeah. and he gives away bikes, and this guy, he's on it. Yeah. He's on it. He's inspiring people at the college level, you know? Yeah. Let's get to them at the, at the junior high level and the elementary school level. Let's teach them um, different different concepts that where they can share their the, the talents of who they are before, before they come before they become too jaded sure high school it's an it's, it's, <laughs> it's the pit of despair <laughs> <laughs> but we get through it yeah so what is one action steps step that our listeners can take to bring them closer to to achieving their burning desire Define what it is. Take the time to really define what it is, yeah. and don't don't sell your, sell yourself short as oh that sounds good. Really sit with it. Yeah. Write it down. Get a piece of paper. Schedule it first. Here's here's an idea. It's a great idea. Now when am I going to do it? Oh, I'm going to schedule that idea. And so you say Tuesdays at four thirty. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm going to if if you're an afternoon person, do it in the afternoon. If you're a morning person, do it first thing in the morning, and take the time and say. Where would I love to be in five years? Where would I love to be in a year? You know, yeah. pick a time out in the future, mm-hmm. and then ask that question with great awe and like wide-eyed enthusiasm, and write, capture it, and then put it down. It'll take about probably seven minutes. Mm-hmm. Walk away from it, and then that night read it. Yeah, and then the next morning read it again. Does it still resonate? Mm-hmm. Does it need to be tweaked? Tweak it. Yeah. Keep tweaking it until you can walk away from it for a couple of days and then go back to it and go, man, that still lights me up. And then consider that you've now created the possibility. Now, what are the next action steps that you take to create it? And remember the idea that little things done consistently in excellence create a major impact. Awesome. So, is it all right if that burning desire changes over time? Oh, sure, of course. As we evolve, it's, it's going to. So play for this moment and that burning desire. My burning desires uh, evolve. That's uh-huh. how I look at it. And, but the reason they evolve and the reason they change is because I act on them and I start putting them into motion uh-huh. and give them the opportunity to sprout wings and, okay. and, and expand. You know, I've said the greatest idea 
at the moment of inspiration when we think about it becomes a stupid idea in about six months <laughs> because we didn't do anything with it. Yeah. Oh, that was dumb. What was I thinking? Yeah. You know, we just shrink back. We just peek our head out and go, oh, wow, is it, I could do that. And then we just go, because we don't act on it, we don't reinforce it. And if you don't water a seed, it, it shrivels up and dies. So water that baby. Yeah. Where can our listeners connect with you online? Are you, you're on Instagram? I am on Instagram. I think I'm Nick Siegel. At Nick Siegel. At Nick Siegel. Yeah. Yeah. And then do you, uh, do you feel like, so the partnerstrust.com, obviously, a, a sure. great site to, to check out. Absolutely. You can find me there through the, through the associate page. And Excellent. Twitter at Nick Siegel. Mm-hmm. Well, I feel like I could talk with you all day, but I, I do appreciate your time. And I wonder if we still have anybody still listening <laughs> to this thing. I am <laughs> sure that we do. Have we lost them? I think though? that hopefully in the future, I think there's a lot of topics that we didn't even get to mm-hmm. get to, but I, I do think that uh, hopefully maybe you could come back for another episode. So You know where to find me, my friend. I so awesome. appreciate the opportunity, and, and I truly send you the best. Thank you. Uh, I, I love what you're doing here, and any way I can support it, it's my pleasure. Awesome. I again want to thank my guest, Nick Siegel, for joining us here on Real Shift Radio. I'm Dominic Labriola, and I want to thank you so much for listening along. Shifters, be sure to visit the show notes at dialdominic.com one to find out how you can connect with us. I'm very active on Instagram, so if you're an Instagrammer too, I invite you to take a picture of where you enjoyed this episode and tag me, at dialdominic, and my guest, at Nick Siegel, along with hashtag RealShiftRadio. We would love to hear from you. And if you liked the episode, hopefully you did, please leave me a review on iTunes and share this show through Facebook or Twitter to help spread the good word to friends, family, coworkers, roommates, anyone who likes hearing positive messages of Real Shift. Be sure to tune in next week when my guest is funny lady and fellow podcaster Rosie Tran, who's a master in her own right of real estate investing. Until then, shifters, keep it real.